T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. All right, friends, welcome. It is Bowerly News Radio 930 WBEN. And uh, I hope you had a wonderful Valentine's Day yesterday. Um, we absolutely did. Uh, as you know, uh, Russell Salvatore is one of the great benefactors of our community. And uh, it had been way too long since we'd had a chance to get to Russell's and say hello to Mr. Salvatore and Mark Jerky. Didn't have a chance to see Big Gay Jerry, but uh, he uh, he was working earlier in the day on uh, Valentine's Day. But I uh, certainly hope that you had a wonderful day we had a wonderful time with uh, Booker, Michelle, and uh, it was just uh, – you ever, you ever have one of those nights where you're sitting at a table for three hours and it doesn't seem like three hours and you look at your watch or your phone and you're thinking to yourself, wait, we've been sitting here for three hours? It feels like we just got here. That is how much fun we had last night. But uh, today, unfortunately – um, that uh, is is not the case because, well, see, you have your schedule and I have my schedule. And part of my schedule involves not generally waking up uh, early in the morning. And that was uh, the case today. I did not wake up particularly early, but turned on David Bellavia. And, uh, you know, sometimes I, I like to at least get the sense for what David is discussing, although I also don't want to listen too much because I don't want to steal his stuff subconsciously or unconsciously. But uh, there we are in a great mood over Valentine's Day. And the transition from that into what we heard on WBEN this morning um, was absolutely, uh, it was stark and it was devastating. May 14th of 2022 was one of the most horrible days in the history of Buffalo, New York. And you remember it. You remember exactly where you were when you heard the news. And I will tell you that it was the most difficult breaking news story in which I've ever played any role covering to the point where I was only good for two and a half hours. And after that, I had to bail because it just, it was, it was too heartbreaking. And, uh, I, I, I we're talking about the uh, sentencing of the monster today, and a lot was said today about racism and about white supremacy, about the need to recognize our history, um, and I can't say that I, I disagree with any of that, but I don't know how many people, maybe you, have thought about this, but May 14th, Supposed was supposed to have been 
in the mind of this monster who came from outside to our community to do what he did. It was supposed to be the beginning of a race war. One of the great things about May 14th and its aftermath was the fact that far from being a race war, this area came together in love and harmony that I don't know anybody could have foreseen. But we, we didn't have rioting. We didn't have looting. We didn't have civil unrest, anything like that. In fact, it was quite the opposite. We came together as a community. So this monster who did what he did in the hopes of triggering what he wanted to trigger, it totally backfired on him. And I have to tell you that, look, I've got my differences with New York state politics and government. You know that. I don't hide that. Don't hide anything from you. But our community here in western New York, the way in which we reacted to that horrible act of terror, I think is something of which we can be very, very, very proud. And I think maybe a lot of people had internal discussions with themselves or conversations within their own household about how do we do things better? How do we address uh, bigotry and racism and things like that? Because we saw right in front of our eyes the ugliest side of humanity that we're ever going to see. There is, racism is such an incredibly, I mean, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but it's such an incredibly stupid philosophy. It, it's such a hateful and malevolent cancer. And I think the best way you deal with racism is it, within your own life, making sure that you don't do anything to fan any flames, making sure that you try to be as understanding of other people as, as you possibly can be. Sometimes it's difficult for me with other situations, and sometimes it's difficult for you. But ultimately, the solution to this kind of philosophy has got to come from individuals feeling it with their hearts and knowing it with their brains. Now, I am not using this monster's name at all. Um, you may use his name because the individual today giving the victim's impact statement, he said, and it surprised me, I'm going to use your name and use your name and use your name. Um, I'm going to keep track of you. Now, WBEN's Brayton Wilson was in court uh, today, and uh, Brayton is with us in studio, having just completed a session with a New York City radio station. And uh, Brayton Wilson is here, a phenomenal uh, reporter and anchor here at News Radio 930 WBEN. Brayton, um, I tuned in right after the beginning, I think, of the uh, victim impact statement, and the emotion it came through over the radio. As somebody who was sitting there, can you just put us in the picture in terms of the raw human emotion and the grief and the sorrow? And yes, in some cases, even the forgiveness that was extended. 
it was it it was certainly a lot to take in tom there was there was plenty of family members and there was a wide range of emotion that came through family members there was grief um there was obviously sadness there was pain um there was suffering there was anger uh, just a lot of emotion that at one point boiled over with the the one gentleman trying to charge uh, the shooter that was in the courtroom trying to get at him in one way or another. But certainly it, it's it's really hard to paint a picture in those terms just because there's just so much that you're trying to, to get in. But certainly it is one where, you know, when looking back, I mean, I mean, I've never experienced anything like this. I, I hope to never experience any any pain that these family members have had ever in my life. But I mean, you you could feel and you could certainly feel for those those poor people that had lost their loved ones in a senseless act and a just an act that you know looking back on it and, and hearing what the, what the shooter had to say in his own statement just you don't you, you almost it's hard to buy it it's almost hard to buy anything that he said or anything that um people that were trying to support him would ever say um but i mean in the end there was a ton of emotion there was, it was all raw emotion just you could feel it you could sense it and at points it boiled over at points it uh it just masked up and a couple of times you you could definitely tell the people that were just sitting in the jurors box and other media members you could just feel the heaviness of it all um a- absolutely and i want to get i want to get back to that but you know brayton one of the things that uh uh, and maybe this, maybe I'm just not a good human being. But one of the things that uh, that struck me as poetic justice was the fact that uh, this monster was apparently abandoned by his own family. His own family was not in court. So if he cared to look around at the courtroom, he would have found nobody there even to offer him any kind of moral support, except maybe his own attorneys. And even then, his own attorneys made it pretty clear that uh, they were not exactly fans of of this monster. Um, did, Did you see anything with the monster who did this that indicated that he was aware that there was literally not a single person in that courtroom who could look at him with anything even close to love? Uh, there was there. I don't think there was any sort of love or anything like that with anyone in that courtroom. It was, there were the people, there were some people that said like, yes, I will forgive you, but I do not ever want you to forget the names. I don't ever want to you to forget what you did, what harm you caused, the pain you caused. When he was looking at the family members, when he was being spoken directly to, most of the time he was looking at whoever was speaking and, and giving them eye contact and, and acknowledging that he was there and he was listening to what they were saying. Um, but really not once did I ever feel like he had too much emotion in terms of, of what was being said, what was going on. And yeah, certainly, I mean, it is it is something to hear uh, John Flynn say that the parents haven't been at any of the proceedings and wasn't even there today to his knowledge of the sentencing of their own son uh, being sentenced to life in prison without parole for a heinous act that he committed over nine months ago. Now, for all of the people that he left alone, for mm-hmm. all of the people that he left hurting, whose lives will never, ever be the same, you know what? He deserves and deserved to be alone and without anybody there to even give him a sympathetic glance. I, I hope that he knows that kind of solitude. 
um, for the rest of his life and the rest of maybe his very short life. Um, at one point, at, at what point, Brayton, did the monster um, begin to tear up? Uh, we've seen video of uh, him starting to break down and cry during the middle of uh, one of the victim impact statements. Did you keep a close eye on the monster and when he started to show some emotion? Because, you know, usually you hear reports and the suspect showed no emotion in court. Uh, This was a different situation. Yeah, it was hard for me to kind of be able to see from my angle where he was at because where I was sitting, there was all the attorneys from uh, the prosecution side and, and I think one or two of the defense attorneys that were there. So he was kind of enclosed it a couple of times. And the glances that I got over trying to to see, I didn't see that. I didn't happen to to see any of that where he was tearing up or getting emotional um, just because of the angle I was at. I had no idea that that was actually the case. But um, certainly in the in the times that I did get to see, he he was attentive. He, he was looking at the people that he had uh, and the family members that he had caused harm to and pain to. And certainly in those moments, it, it definitely was, um, it, it just seemed to me just, you're almost lost for words in a way of, of trying to describe what that was just because you're, you're trying to envision what's going through his head and you know that the pain and the emotion coming through the family members and, you know, I I had I didn't know that there was any sort of camera angle that showed him being overcome with emotion and showing it, but uh, certainly when he did speak, you could tell that there was maybe a little bit of emotion in him. But as both the mayor and the DA said in their in their post sentencing comments, they said, "Well, that remorse that he showed or that he spoke of was much too little, much too late." We're talking with Brayton Wilson, who is in court today during the uh, sentencing of the terrorist who, uh, in a racially motivated act of absolute despicable violence, killed 10 of our neighbors here in western New York only because they were black. And uh, if you watch the video, uh, one of the most horrible things to drum in the fact that it was racially motivated is when he looks at the white guy on the ground and says, sorry, as if he just stubbed his toe or bumped into him at a bar. It was chilling. It was absolutely chilling. Uh, The nonchalance with which he pulled off this act of senseless violence. Now, the uh, much has been made, Brayton, in the outside world, and I know you've been tied up in court and you've been tied up with post, uh, in, uh, post-sentencing post interviews, but obviously the man who started to run toward the defendant uh, who is now convicted, can you describe that scene for us? Yeah, so it was um, Catherine Massey was the, the victim that was being addressed here by her sister. Her sister's name was was Barb. And she immediately came up because there had already been a few family members that had spoken, and they had spoken with Psalms from the Bible and a couple of other um, quotes and everything like that. That, that, sh- that I don't remember if it was her or another speaker that said, you know, these are the people that show the goodness of their heart and the willingness to forgive but never forget and so on and so forth. She came up and she immediately wanted to make it clear that this was not going to be a nice talk that she was going to have with the shooter. Um, 
she had said that, you know, she was talking a lot about her sister, how she was a good person. She never had children of her own, but she was a teacher. So she considered the the several thousands of students that she had taught her children because she cared that much for her classrooms and her students in the classroom. And, you know, she talked about the emotion, how much she misses her sister. Uh, and next thing you know, um, there was a gentleman, a significantly larger gentleman that um, walked up, and at first, I think, at least in my mind, seeing him walk up, I was thinking, okay, that's a family member, maybe trying to help calm her down, trying to to bring her back down, and to not get so overly emotional and and worked up to let it escalate any further. Well, the next thing you know, he's storming towards the shooter, trying to get at him, and obviously, court uh, court officers came rushing in. He was being held back by them. I think a couple of the of the uh, prosecutors were, were trying to help hold him back. A couple of other people were coming in trying to hold him back. And I mean, at that moment, you could just feel you could feel the fever pitch of that situation, the emotion from people back. You, there were people saying, "No, oh, don't do that! Don't right, do that!" Right. After he was escorted out, you could hear some people just saying, "Like, why would you do something like that? Why would you do that in this moment right now?" And certainly, I think a lot of people, in my mind, at the very least, it was one of those things where you see that happen in, on TV, you see that happen in shows and movies, and you think, like, nothing, that that couldn't happen. And in this case, it did, and it was just kind of eye-opening where it's like something like this actually did happen. And well, we're going we're gonna to talk about this after the news break, Brighton. Right. Okay. I know you've got a lot of work you're doing, but uh, you're giving us a lot of insight. Uh, maybe some people didn't hear what we all heard today. But, right. You know, as, as much as uh, many of us are very sympathetic to the idea of wanting to do some physical damage to this monster, m- the number one thought I think many of us had was, this is a hard enough day for the survivors. This is already emotional enough. Please don't make this any harder on, like, uh, Barbara Massey, who was doing the statement. I mean, he, I think he put his hand on his shoulder to move her out of the way, and you know, she did not need that at that moment. However much we may agree with, with the intention of the guy, uh, it was it was just made made a bad situation I think worse for the people who were already overcome with emotion. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, and certainly, and Da Flynn even talked about it afterwards. Where it's just like there's there was a lot of emotion in that moment where he even said like he's not going to face any charges no. for this. He's not going to face anything. But don't don't let that be a sign of if anyone else tries to do it with another case after this that you might get off that easy. Now, Flynn, uh, John Flynn, the DA, has been uh, a guest on this program a few times and will be in the future, and uh, he's got a quite a good head on his uh, on his shoulders. Um, stay with us. Uh, Braden's going to be back after the news on News Radio 930 WBEN. It is Bowerly, and we're talking about uh, the sentencing of the tops shooting terrorist today and everything that uh, went on in that courtroom. And we're going to continue with Brayton putting us uh, behind the scenes here on News Radio 930 WBEN. I want to thank you guys so much for tuning in and, and listening to this show and being a part of this show. Um, this was a significant day uh, in the history of our city. And uh, obviously, our deepest condolences go out to those of you who continue to be personally affected by the terror attack of of May 14th. Stay with us on News Radio 930 WBEN.
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, welcome. It is Bowerly on News Radio 930 WBEN, and uh, this program is dedicated to Roberta Drury, Margus Morrison, Andre McNeil, Aaron Salter, Geraldine Talley, Celestine Cheney, Hayward Patterson, Catherine Massey, Pearl Young, and Ruth Whitfield, the people murdered at Tops in a racist terrorist attack on the 14th of May, and those wounded, Zaire Goodman, Jennifer Warrington, and Christopher Braden. And to all of the families listening, and perhaps the surviving victims listening, uh, thoughts, well, that's kind of the cliche. Prayers are with you, and you have a lot of support in the community. Please know that. We're talking with Brayton Wilson, our WBEN Brayton Wilson, who is in the courtroom today for the sentencing. And we left off talking about the moment where the uh, defendant was uh, charged upon by an individual who had been in the courtroom. And Brayton, as uh, we started talking about prior to the news break, as sympathetic as we might be to anybody who would like to do this individual harm for what he did, the effect on those who were there, whose lives have already been turned upside down, who have already seen the catastrophic effects of violence, um, that's pretty much the last thing they needed. Right. I, I mean, yeah, no, I mean, I get it where emotions overcome people and they handle it their own different way. But certainly it was one of those where you heard plenty of people in the courtroom kind of like be like, no, don't do that. Yep. Why would you do that? Why would you try and, and do that in a situation like this? You know, yeah, certain people decide to handle it by I'm going to go beat the crap out of that person or they handle it by, you know, showing their own ways of doing it. So. Yeah, certainly in a, in a situation like that, it it just it had it almost had to hit a boiling point because then at that point it did calm itself down. It did get back to a, a point where the rest of the families came up and spoke. Some of them were dir- speaking directly to him and giving their thoughts and, and making statements on behalf of their loved ones to that person in terms of what they said because they couldn't be there. So. Yeah, it it almost felt like at a point, especially when um, Barbara Massey came up and and gave her true heated words. Barbara Massey, I don't think she had anything to speak off of. She was just going based on emotion and what was in her own head, and that was pure. It was just so so much anger, so much emotion, but it came from the heart, and it came from somebody who was heartbroken and who was really feeling that pain, and that's why it did get to that point, and uh, at that point, it had to to kind of 
tone itself down, get back to a state where the sentencing could continue. It did. And more of the family spoke. And again, it was just a mixed bag of emotions in terms of how family members were able to address the shooter today. You know, one of the other uh, aspects of this was hearing about the uh, hearing about the survivors, Zaire Goodman, Mm -hmm. and the horrible time he's having with us. Uh, 20, 20 years old. And I believe it was his mom who said he doesn't understand why somebody would try to kill him just because of the color of his skin or what he looked like. Uh, And hearing from Christopher Braden, who uh, Mm -hmm. had his legs severely damaged. And David Bellavia talked about this, and obviously David is a Medal of Honor recipient. He's seen his share of horrific things happen to human beings. But it's not just a question of surviving trauma. Um, of being able to live through an event. Um, I thought Mr. Braden described what he was continuing to go through, the surgeries, and then more surgeries coming up. It it really uh, helped to bring home the humanity of, of what happened by, by somebody who actually experienced it as a victim. Right. I mean, Zanetta... Uh, Christopher Braden and Stephanie, who was speaking on behalf of, of Jennifer, her sister, all all three of them spoke in terms of their own ways of handling it, whether it was from a survivor standpoint or from somebody close to the survivor standpoint. I mean, Zanetta pointed out that Zaire, as a, as a 21-year-old, has survivor's guilt. I, I mean, what, what 21-year-old should ever face the fact that they, they have guilt for living in a situation like that when 10 other people died all because of the color of their skin? I, I mean, we've heard from Zanetta so many times, and she's always grateful for her time and her availability to be able to speak on whatever matters. And she's and she always—there's one thing about Zanetta Everhart that I will always respect is she puts it straight forward to you, and <laughs> she will always, always never sugarcoat anything. It, it'll just be straightforward from the heart whole honest truth and, and and I give her I give Zaire all the all the credit for their braveness and their their time to to be able to tell their story on everything Chris, just, uh, and, go ahead. yeah no and, and you know Christopher Braden I mean today to hear about even just a, a a knee injury where he gets shot on the inside part of the leg and had a horrific knee injury and just the the after effects I mean it takes him 15 minutes to get out of bed every day I mean, for me, being a 31-year-old, I'm I'm not as spring and spry as it maybe was 10 years ago where, I, you know, it takes me a little bit, you know, but maybe instead of 10 seconds to get out of bed, it's maybe 30 to seconds to get out of bed. And, you know, Christopher Braden by no means seems to be anywhere like, you know, as an older individual, he seemed like he was a guy that was pretty healthy, pretty active before this unfortunate situation. And Stephanie describing what happened to her sister, you know, just... um she had been shot in the head, but she survived. And, you know, she she expressed where, you know, she does this really. She works to to help end racial situations like this. And when she had found out that it was a white supremacist that carried out this attack on these people in East Buffalo, she was she was very upset. She was she was in, she said, I have the thing here. She she roared in the airport like she was so upset that. I think they. She said something like oh, they had they delayed, delayed her flight. Yeah, they delayed the. Yeah, yeah, because she was so emotional about it. You know, just just hearing that perspective on top of all the the people that unfortunately lost their loved ones. I mean, 
again, all the types of emotions that were felt that day from survivors, from those who had lost their loved ones in the shooting. It, it was so much to take. And in a time span where I think it it, it started a little later, but it, it almost lasted an hour, 45 minutes. I and mean, there was just so much to try and, and combine and kind of put into like this nice little ball where you can describe it. Well, it, it was so emotional for those of us who listened to it on the radio mm-hmm. that for you to actually be there. And and during the sentencing, uh, Judge Egan made reference to the fact that uh, this was planned out. Uh, he did reconnaissance uh, of, of the tops. And the I, I don't know if, if this story ever made um, the news or, or ever got out to the general public, but One of the things that uh, people should know in terms of the premeditation is the Friday prior to May 14th, uh, the monster went to Tops, and that's where people noticed that he was acting, you know, kind of hinky, kind of squirrely. And what happened is he took a seat by the deli counter, and one of the um, deli workers, who happens to be one of our black brothers, saw this, uh, at that point, skinny young guy who looked a little bit uh, out of place and made him a sandwich and brought the sandwich over to him in an act of kindness, thinking that this was somebody in need, possibly with some mental issues or some physical liabilities, and was nice enough to just bring him gratis a sandwich. And the monster looked at the deli worker and said, are you working tomorrow? And uh, the deli worker said no. And at that point, I don't know if the monster said, well, that's good, or nodded in, in affirmation. But, you know, that, that really happened as part of his reconnaissance. And it, it underlines, the reason I tell that story is it underlines to me the sheer evil of the perpetrator of this act of terror. Here's this white supremacist, racist individual who has done a solid by somebody he's supposed to hate because he's a white supremacist, and yet what does he do? Despite being treated with great kindness and humanity, he goes there the next day and and commits these horrible, horrible attacks. Um, It's just another indication, to me anyway, of the barbarity and the savagery of uh, the defendant now found guilty, uh, pleading, taking the plea in, in this case. The um, were, were you able to listen in on, on folks as they were leaving the courtroom or were you tied up inside the courtroom? Uh, we were tied up inside of the courtroom. We were one of the last ones to, to leave just because, you know, with the way that kind of the flow is, it just would have been easier for the families to leave than, you know, either the media or the attorneys or, or what have you. So we were one of the last ones to leave the courtroom. Um so I didn't necessarily get the chance to hear many of the reactions. There were some, I mean, obviously there were people when I had got up and just took a quick glance while I was packing up, I took a quick glance and there were people that were, that were crying. They were, they were emotionally overtaken and they were, um, they were just saddened by the entire experience. They, they, they knew what was coming. They knew that he was going to serve the rest of his life in prison. There was nothing that was going to be different about what they were expected to hear. It was just a matter of getting through that and actually hearing the sentence go down and say that, you know, you know, court's now in recess or whatever, and the, the judge smashes the gavel and the, and the shooter goes off. It, it was just um, one of those days where you definitely knew what was coming, and it was just a matter of everything in between. It was it was getting there, 
and the end of it, and you just had no idea what was going to happen in the, in the middle there in the filler part. Well, knowing people who have been in that experience, in that position as uh, mothers um, and, and loved ones of victims of homicide, uh, what I have been told is that after the public part of it is all over, you go home and you are just emotionally numb. Mm-hmm. You're 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 basically in a uh, in a limbo of emotion, with numbness being the predominant one. I, I can understand. I can understand exactly um, that that exact how they feel, and and I can just imagine what the, what everybody's feeling in that situation. And I and the one thing I, I will say, you you had made mention of. Um, Judge Susan Egan's comments just I, I thought her overall comments from start to finish on on the incident on where we're at in today's society and where we need to be and what we need to evaluate I thought that was very well put together and well done and everything that she had said I think you know really hit the point uh, before she handed down her sentence of life imprisonment without parole and just the murders were all life imprisonment she she did a, a great job handling that she did a great job handling the emotion of the courtroom throughout the entire proceeding even when um the man stormed the shooter trying to get at him as part of the sentencing she handled that very professionally very well um so you know a a good word should go out for her and also just everything else that that played out today um yeah just I, i thought it was a a very well handled situation even even despite the few instances it was it, it was not easy. It was not um, anything that I think anybody should ever have to go through. But, you know, it, See, it I don't, went I don't know the, the protocol for judges uh, right. and, and, you know, what they're supposed to say during sentencing and whether they're supposed to address broader societal issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I will leave that to the, the legal experts to decide. Brayton Wilson from the WBEN newsroom, he was there uh, to take in everything. And Brayton, was there any uh, was there any fact that came out during today's sentencing hearing that uh, or, or sentencing actually that came out that you or the general public may not previously have been privy to? Nothing that was related maybe specifically to the case, but maybe some of the the things that were talked about from the family members, just the type of person that um, they had. I mean, you know, I think we had known this before, but, um, you know, Andre McNeil had a a three-year-old son who um, he was going to get a birthday cake for that day. And unfortunately, you know, he never got the chance to get that birthday cake to him or celebrate his birthday with him. So... Certainly, it's it's those kind of details that you you hear and you know you're either reminded of it or you learn those details for the first time. Nothing in terms of the incident itself or the case itself, but certainly just the details from the family and just their grieving and their like. This is what you need to know about this person because I want you to know this when you go to bed at night and you you go to sleep knowing the person that you had killed. Those type of details that were just you know you. It just went into all of that emotion of the entire day. There there were a few references made to uh, birthdays, but the yeah. getting the birthday cake mm-hmm. and, and this three-year-old boy for the rest of his life uh, is, is, is going to have the knowledge of the circumstances under which his dad was, was brutally and, and viciously murdered. It's right. absolutely heartbreaking beyond... Uh, just beyond belief and beyond description. Now, some people want to know what is going to happen next with the federal 
side of the mm-hmm. case. So the idea of the death penalty came up in our last hour. Now, the Biden administration, as I understand it, uh, took the death penalty out of the federal mix very early on. Do What do we know about how the feds are going to handle and when they're going to handle this situation? So I got the chance to talk to both Terry Connors and John Elmore last week about this situation, and I asked them both. To your understanding, is the death penalty still on the table? And both said they're still reviewing it. So, yes, the death penalty still is on the table. That uh, presentation, I guess, still has yet to be made to uh, the attorney general's office in Washington, D.C. After that has been made by the defense counsel at the federal level, uh, then it is my understanding that the attorney general's office will review that and they will then make that determination whether or not to pursue the death penalty or not. Um Tomorrow, there is a status conference that is happening at the federal level. It's more so just determining where the shooter is going to be held in the time that this federal case is still ongoing because he's going to serve the rest of his life in a state prison and serve his time. However, in the time being, they're likely going to keep him in a federal uh, penitentiary or something of that matter until the case is held just for easy access so they could be able to talk to him and you know get his access whenever they need to talk to him about a certain situation whatever's going on as it relates to the case i would think and again this is something maybe tim wanger can ask of john elmore that if he is convicted under federal statute that the feds would then take uh, custody of of uh, this individual. Right, right. That's exactly, I think, what's going to happen tomorrow is he'll go into federal custody until the case is determined whether or not it's going to be wrapped up and there's no death penalty or there is going to be a death penalty trial. And I think if I think when I was there, one of the times the, the judge had said that, well, since he pled guilty, it would run concurrently with the states if there's no death penalty proceedings. So that would mean that he would then plead guilty to all of the counts that he faces at the federal level. It would all run concurrent with he's going to serve life in prison without the possibility of parole. No death penalty. We move on, essentially. Brayden, I think I speak for everybody listening to uh, say thank you very much uh, for joining us uh, this hour. Thank you for filling in some of the blanks. I know this has been an extremely emotional day for you. You were there watching this all unfold looking at the surviving family members and uh, the survivors, uh, as the case may be, uh, trying to process all of that. And uh, we're very grateful for your time. And I know you're going to have even a longer day after this. So (laughs) thank you uh, kindly for joining us and filling us in. Thanks, Tom. I appreciate you having me on. Braden Wilson uh, joining us on News Radio 930 WBEN. Uh, It is Bowerly. And uh, when we invest in something for our home, we really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.